Welcome to Season 5 of Ye Old Dragons Library, the storytelling podcast. Each episode this season will be a chapter from the second book in the Enchanted Castle Archives, The Beastly Beauty. In Season 1, our heroine, Ash, was warned multiple times to stay away from the Enchanted Castle, and if she ever saw it coming toward her, to run. Now, she finds the Enchanted Castle, or, perhaps more accurately, it finds her. Will prophecy come true? Can she escape when she finds out the truth of Cecil's warning that every castle wants a princess? Listen and find out. Chapter 1 Ash went to bed her first night in Philby's home with her head spinning. Common sense said she couldn't take every opportunity the half-fay woman offered her. She needed time to examine everything she and her hostess and the spirit ring had discussed that evening before she could even begin to start narrowing down her plans. The next morning, the housekeeping breeze prepared her a bath scented with lemons. Ash took the bath, just because she had had to do without regular washing for so long. The utter luxury of all the hot water she wanted and scented soap and thick towels soothed something inside her that had given off little whimpers of resentment for years. She speculated it came from pretending to be a boy for so long. A mirror floated into the bathing room, and settled on a table that hadn't been there when she climbed into the tub. Ash approached it hesitantly. She wiped away steam with her towel and sputtered laughter at her first glimpse of herself. Her dripping curls and thin face and big eyes reminded her of a kitten at Castle Fairhold that kept jumping into the mill pond to chase fish. She and Dunstan had spent quite a few days rescuing that kitten in the glory days before he started growing, and she could no longer pass as his double and decoy. Ash stepped back to really study herself. She wasn't going to need those breastbands she had found in the magical basket of clothes, not for a few more months. Had her travels, her brushes with danger and going hungry for days, slowed her blossoming? She turned, trying to get a good look at her backside. The star on her bottom didn't seem any bigger than when she had first seen it years ago. She couldn't be sure if it was glowing, though it did have a pearly sheen. The star over her breastbone looked the same. What did that say about the magic that filled Philby's house? Brisk toweling didn't do much to flatten her dark curls. Ash fussed with a brush for a short time, trying to arrange her hair instead of just raking it out of her eyes. She considered letting her hair grow until it was as long as Philby's thick, glossy silver mane and braiding it with ribbons. A chuckle escaped her when she realized how much time she had spent examining herself in the mirror. Ring, am I being vain? Silly? She turned away from the mirror and reached for the clothes the housekeeping breeze had picked out for her. Deep blue broadcloth trousers, embroidered with silver vines along the seams and hems, a matching shirt, pale lavender vest with several pockets on each side, embroidered in griffins, unicorns, and dragons, cavorting among trees loaded with jewel-toned fruit. No, the spirit ring responded after a moment, but you are wasting precious lesson time. You aren't being vain. 
you're slowly awakening to the person you can be. I do hope she finds that spell to allow you to stay with me once I've completed the quest. What would I do without you to speak common sense and teach me wisdom? Like any good parent, my lady, I look forward to the day you don't need me but will still want me around. Always! Philby looked like she had just sat down to breakfast when Ash stepped out of the pocket of magic holding her bedroom and into the sprawling living area at the back of the hostler's warehouse. She tipped her head to one side and smiled as Ash approached the low table with large pillows for seating. What do you think, Fang? Isn't our Ashlyn a lovely princess to be? Ash caught her breath, startled by Philby's words. They had to be teasing. Several discussions with Cecil on the subject raced up from her memories to slam into the front of her head. She would never want to be a princess. There were too many complications, too many evil or simply nastily insane people, and too many magical objects that targeted all royal blood for trouble and uncomfortable adventures. The maniacal bunny came thumping around from the far end of the table, where he had been indulging in something very red and juicy for breakfast. He wiped at his face and his chest fur in between each hop, until he sat a dozen steps away from Ash, tipping his head from side to side, ears bobbing. A big grin brightened his face, and he flung himself at her to hug her knees. Ash fought down a single flinch at the thought of all that red juice staining her new clothes. Thank you, both of you. I've never... Well, I've never had a chance or even wanted to look nice before. Ash self-consciously raked a few curls out of her face and settled down on the thick pillow in front of the plate and cup and utensils set out for her, next to Philby. This morning, breakfast filled a half-dozen platters and bowls and two pitchers, one of which steamed. Nothing like the amazing bounty last night that could have fed all of Castle Fairhold. Muffins, creamy butter blackberry preserves, and a lovely concoction of sausages, eggs, and cheese were more than enough. One pitcher had a cold, tangy green juice, and the other held hot, spicy tea. Ash served herself and ate, while Philby laid out the proposed course of lessons for the day. First, riding and learning the various signals to communicate with the horses of the courier network. The signals ensured that no mounts could be stolen, simply because someone leaped into the saddle and dug their heels in and shouted, Go! Ash needed to learn the proper care of the horses and the various codes the couriers used to communicate the conditions in each country they traveled through whenever they met up with each other. Sometimes she would need to ride in disguise, because some kingdoms considered Philby's riders to be spies and refused to accept their oath of honorable behavior. Unfortunately, the people least likely to trust others to act with honor are the ones who themselves have no honor. Philby reached for the pitcher of hot tea to refill her cup. They live by a double standard, demanding total truth and honesty and scrupulous manners from strangers, while justifying cheating and lying to foreigners and strangers. Since they spy and steal and cheat, they expect foreigners to steal and cheat and spy. Three kingdoms hate my couriers because I refuse all errands for their kings after the way my people were treated, as if I've committed a crime by refusing to put them in danger. Philby's eyes changed to a stormy gray. 
I pay gladly for warding spells so their messages never reach my people requesting service. They still ask, even after you've told them no? Ash didn't find that surprising, considering some of the officials she had encountered while serving Lady Charlotte. Asking isn't within their understanding. Philby's mouth twisted like she couldn't find the right words. Then a chuckle escaped her, as her eyes changed back to their normal violet hue. When missions are so dire and time-sensitive that going through those kingdoms are unavoidable, I have found it worth the risk to send my people through the enchanted forest. But... Ash shook her head, feeling dizzy with the weight of all the things she had learned about the enchanted forest. The problem was that much of it was theory. What many people swore were facts contradicted each other, as if every person who went into the forest had a different experience. Ah, you've learned enough to think the place is a trap, pulling in the unwary and refusing to let them out again. Philby gave her a crooked grin before raising her cup to drink. No, Ash said, but making them wait days or even months before letting them out, and usually not the same kingdom. True, but my people have a map of the portals. It would be entirely useless to use the enchanted forest to avoid troublesome kingdoms when time is of the essence, if they couldn't get in and out quickly. Ash couldn't remember reading anything about a map of the Enchanted Forest. But doesn't the forest keep changing, the geography and the landmarks, so it's nearly impossible to go to the same place twice? Not exactly, Philby said. The portals shift. Each portal out of the Enchanted Forest goes to multiple places in other kingdoms, and changes to match those places. So, a portal that looks like a gap in a massive old tree will become a stone archway, then a waterfall curtain, then a cave or a tunnel, depending on what place it opens into. Or a tunnel of roses in snow, Ash murmured. What was that? Philby's eyes narrowed as she studied her. Cecil the seer had several visions to warn her before we were forced to move on, the ring said. Whether she was to avoid the tunnel of roses in snow or go through it was unclear. Hmm, yes. And I've felt for a long time that the guiding spirits have a nasty sense of humor when they send visions to prophets and seers, Philby said. Very nasty, Ash agreed. Why does it have to hurt seers so much to have visions? To keep them from getting so proud that they are no longer any use to Athiosius. Philby sighed and put down her cup with a thump for punctuation. Well, with that warning, we must add the Enchanted Forest and the map to your lessons. And we have very little time as it is. Certainly not as much as I had hoped. I would like to weave a few spells to guide you, but I fear that would be dangerous. Those advisory spells woven into you could be tricky. They're so deeply embedded, they could take offense if more spells are added. Maybe consider them invaders. Just like magic books that have grown so old and filled with magic that they become aware, long-established defensive and advisory spells become somewhat, hmm, proprietary. You belong to them. Wait. Ash didn't like the chill alertness that slapped her at Philby's words. Why don't we have as much time as you hoped? I'm sorry, my lady, the ring said. Circumstances require you to move on and move out as swiftly as possible. I fear part of that is my fault. Not at all, my dear Ring. 
Philby shook her head. The lines of her face sharpened just for a moment, giving a hint of what she would be like when she was truly angry. You are as much a victim as Ash of multiple layers of spells woven to disguise and hide and spy. I really must compose a letter of protest to the Enchanter's court as soon as you two... Fang let out a squeal of protest from the far side of the long table. Sorry, as soon as the three of you are on the road again. Justiciar Camwell's dishonorable choices. How he has treated you. If I had any influence in Alfordia, I would request your King Abrosian remove him from his office. In simple terms, he blinded the ring to several layers of spells, making him unaware of various traps I inadvertently triggered when I accessed the spell recording your adventures. Traps? Ash caught her breath, chilled with apprehension and hotly furious at the same time. Ring, what happened? First... Philby knows a great deal about you, even without talking to me and to Fang, because of a hitherto hidden branch of the spell that allows Camwell to keep track of your position and progress. I am rather disturbed to find that I have not, after all, been able to hide many of your actions, and details like names and faces and information you've learned. This hidden spell, Lady Ephilbiana tripped, reports on your actions and reactions, your emotions, how you interact with people. No need to worry, my lady. I'm proud of you. And again, let me say I am delighted to have been assigned to you. Ring, she sighed, sensing he was delaying the revelation to soften the impact on her. Well, at least he wasn't saying he was sorry every other time he spoke. One of the large flaws in this spell is that it broadcasts a report on you to anyone with even a touch of magic. It does somewhat explain the readiness of people to help you. They're being influenced by the report, which proclaims you are worthy of help and trustworthy. It also explains some of the nastiness you've encountered, such as Magistrate Blosey in River's Edge. Such folk who use magic to cheat go on the offensive when they encounter people with silent reports such as yours. You make them look bad. They need to quash you. Put simply, you're polite and honest. When you are in need, you set out to earn food or shelter or help. You don't plot how to steal or cheat. You notice people in need of help, and you offer help when you can. Need I go on? I must confess... I am rather flustered and irritated and incensed over all the nasty discoveries I've been making in the last few hours. Very understandable, Philby said. But please, do continue with Ash's answers. While I believe you would be very happy as a courier, that might not be possible. Those reporting spells are so badly woven, enemies can use them to not only find you, but ensnare you and you must be freed of them as quickly as possible, meaning you must end the quest, and yes, I fear, risk us being parted. Time is of the essence for your safety. Lady Ophilbiana cannot spend all the time she needs awakening your magic potential and training it. Why can't she? Why can't you? Ash blurted, turning to Philby. The woman smiled sadly and shook her head. Well, the ring said, Accessing that report on your character tripped another spell I wasn't aware of. An alarm, so to speak. 
This is worse than those hunters who came to Cecil's village, isn't it? Ash said. The Justiciar is sending more men after me? Armed with magic? Much worse. It appears Lathia and her rather unsavory magicians are convinced that she can't rid herself of her spirit ring until you and I have been separated. Or at least convince Camwell that you are dead and the quest is over. Traveling all that distance to hunt me down is easier than fulfilling the quest? How hard can it be for those magicians to take her through a few caverns and over a few borders? It isn't enough to punish you for all the trouble Lathia believes you caused her. Winning the quest will prove she is in the right and you were wrong all along. Of course. Ash needed to wash the foul taste out of her mouth, but when she drank, she nearly choked. Coughing, she put the cup down and wiped her mouth. I'm so sorry, Philby. You are the victim of injustice. Philby patted her shoulder. Why should you apologize for being truthful and honorable and far more likable than that arrogant, lying little snot? Her exasperated tone startled a gasping little chuckle from Ash. That helped. It's worse, the ring said. Time is of the essence for more than just you, my lady. Lathia has made up quite a story with herself as the victim and you and many higher-ranking servants at Castle Fairhold attacking her out of jealousy. Jealousy of what? Ash winced when her voice rang off the plates and pitchers. Well, now she believes she is the victim of love that never should have happened. Oh, ugh, that sounds like an especially sticky ballad sung out of tune. That earned a chuckle from Philby. In rather a warped kind of justice, as Lathia adds to her lies, the magic woven around her by her spirit ring watcher and the spells the magicians are employing to try to free her grow more tangled, dark, and complex. The more she denies and resists the reports of the tattletale spells, the more her own nasty, selfish nature turns in on itself, the ring said, rather like distilling spirits to be especially potent. I feel rather sorry for my friend, who is attached to her until one of you finishes the quest. For the sake of my friend, even if I didn't care quite a lot about you now, I must urge speed in ending the quest. Of course, but will all those tangled spells you didn't know about interfere with? Philby, you said you'd try to find a way to keep the ring with me after the quest ended. Can you do that? Or is that one of those things we can't take care of because I need to leave so soon? I'm working on it, Philby said, and patted her shoulder again. Ash had the awful feeling she was going to come to resent that encouraging, comforting touch, just as much as she resented the ring saying he was sorry. Now, the ring continued, Lathia thoroughly believes she was in love with a handsome young servant and was too shy and delicate to let him know. She didn't want to make him distraught over the obstacles to their happiness. Oh, ugh, there's that sticky ballad again, she muttered. Indeed, the ring snorted in amusement. You discovered her love for him through foul magical means, with the help of Hazel, the hedge witch. You, of course, were jealous because he rejected you. To embarrass her, you and several servants gave her love notes, supposedly from him, and promised to deliver her love notes to him. She was supposed to meet him in the library, to make plans to run off together. You went to the library to mock her, and she flung herself at you, believing you were her sweetheart. 
She actually believes this, doesn't she? Ash said. Worse, her prince has put a bounty on your head and on the servants involved, especially the young man she secretly loved, out of jealousy, as hard as that is to believe. And your friend has been able to tell you all this because Lathia still hasn't figured out that she's listening to everything she says and thinks. Even worse, those magicians haven't figured out what the ring can do and haven't detected all those nasty extra spying spells either. What use are they? Ash wished she could laugh, but feared laughter would turn into hysterical tears. This feels like a particularly wretched story that was a total waste of the paper and ink used to record it. Indeed, the ring chuckled. So what do we do? She shook her head. I know what I need to do. Return to Fairhold to warn them. Which servants did Lathia accuse? It's worse than that, Philby said. She's implicated Lady Charlotte and Dunstan, several kitchen workers, your granny Phlox, and Hazel the Hedgewitch. Lathia's prince has a magic mirror to communicate with the magicians and give them new information, and new pieces of Lathia's growing delusion of lies to motivate them. They're a nasty group of self-righteous vigilantes out to protect the world from the wrong kind of magic. They call themselves the Purple Sky. Why? They don't even know, the ring said with a snort of disgust. Some of my couriers have encountered them. They've tried to confiscate mirrors and defensive talismans, claiming Athiosius gave them authority to decide who is allowed to work magic. Philby shook her head. That is neither here nor there. All you need to know is that if you see a purple tinge in the air or a purple whirlwind coming toward you, run and pray Athiosius's protection. Tell her the newest lie, the ring said. This is why time is so vital. Oh, yes. Again, the violet of Philby's eyes flickered into a stormy gray just for a moment. Just this morning, Lathia pretended to be ill from a deluge of memories, freed from a spell that had blocked them. Now she insists she is a side victim of a terrible plot to keep her father from inheriting several large estates. The magicians are to ensure that those properties be turned over to Lord Winston before they return to Marcosia, starting with Castle Fairhold. Ash's insides seemed to congeal into ice. Lathia's father, Lord Winston, was a relative on Lady Charlotte's side of the family. She was Lady of Castle Fairhold through marriage, not through inheritance. Winston had no legal claims whatsoever on any of the Fairhold properties. Obviously, that didn't matter to Lathia, in what was clearly a plot to punish everyone who had ever criticized her, mocked her, or told her no. Common sense said to warn Castle Fairhold. Philby would send warnings by several couriers who would be passing by or passing through Alfordia, but they would only be a few days ahead of Ash at best. She had tried to send a warning through the mirror web, but the Purple Sky magicians had the help of several high-level mirrors at the main communication nodes in the web, searching for and reporting on any messages going to mirrors near Castle Fairhold. Philby had already spent some time before breakfast sending reports to overseer mirrors to try to resolve the problem, but that would take time. Mirrors were tangled in bureaucracy worse than most governments. She feared that the mirrors involved had already reported to the Purple Sky magicians, giving them more clues to track down Ash's location. Even more reason to get her out on the road as quickly as possible. 
The ring could communicate with Justiciar Camwell directly, if the information was vital to the quest. Lathia's plot did indeed have much to do with the quest, since the Justiciar was near the top of her list of enemies and persecutors. However, when the ring tried to send the warning that morning, he found a message waiting for him. Camwell refused to listen to him about anything except the objects and goals of the quest. The Justiciar says I must learn discipline to avoid falling victim to the blandishments of those with questionable ethical character, the ring said. Oh, he did, did he? Philby said. That glitter in her eyes wasn't humor. Ash shivered, getting a glimpse of the strength and resoluteness of her new patron. Well, let his doom fall on his head. We will do what is right and continue to warn him, but we are guiltless if he is taken by surprise. We hope you enjoyed today's chapter. For more information on all the books and series featured in this podcast, or to purchase the ebook or audiobook for future reading and listening pleasure, please visit yeolddragonbooks.com. You can also find more information about our books and purchase ebooks on our Patreon page, Ye Old Dragons Library. Please consider supporting the podcast to gain access to free stories or discounts or a chance to purchase a new book in advance of release. Thanks for listening to this episode of Ye Old Dragons Library.